Welcome back, listeners, to a brand new episode on December 13th, 2023 of The New Standard. And as always, I have my partner in crime to my left. What's up, Big Neil? And pretty soon, I'll be rocking a Bison sweatshirt. Hey, deal's a deal. Go Bison. Obviously, that uh, is not at all why anybody tuned in, but North Dakota State University will take on the hated Montana Grizzlies in the FCS semifinals coming Saturday, incidentally, uh, during the Steelers game. We can get into that as well. I'm sure all of you want to know where North Dakota State stands in its historical run through the FCS division, but it's Steelers, Colts, 4.30 Eastern time, Coming up Saturday, game change. They flexed it, and it turns out probably a pretty good idea that they did. There are heavy playoff implications for both teams in this game, even if neither of those teams appears to be especially outstanding. And that's where we are right now. The Steelers at 7-6, and six, riding maybe the worst two-game losing streak they have ever had as a franchise, just in the nature of the way that they lost both of their last two games and the strength of the opponents who beat them and the fact that both of those games were played at home, it's a great time to play a non-bad team outside of Pittsburgh for the Steelers. So in what should be a bad situation, I feel turns into a strength, Lance, and it's because things couldn't possibly get worse for the Steelers. And it's a good time to raise the bar on the opponent. Because even Jalen Warren would admit after the Cardinals game, they probably took him too lightly. They didn't put enough into it. Like, okay, fine. Play a playoff team with tiebreaker implications in their house on a short week. That's what you need to do to get ready for the game. Then it's happening. Let's see what happens Saturday. Yeah, unfortunately, it sounds like that is the case. Want to welcome everybody who hopped on live with us. With us. Big up to Corey. Big up to Ollie. Assalamu alaikum, my brother. Big up to Chris, Corey Hatcher, and everybody else who's on the program. As always, if you want to participate, join live. Go to YouTube, do a search for the new standard. Uh, hit the link that's been sent out there on all the platforms and join us live. Also, you can listen to the show via podcast. And let us let me shift it right back to, to you, Neil. Uh, and the big thing this week is injuries going into this game as in the background you can see the imprint of a helmet of one of the Steelers outstanding outstanding outside linebackers who's right now in the concussion protocol Let, let's run through the injuries real quick and, and and let me let me let me just list them off for you because I think I have them here uh in a photo uh because the Steelers are going into this game uh sort of as a mash unit and uh, two of their best players right now, uh, their outside linebackers are huh, are in a particular way. So uh, right now, Kenny Pickett, of course, is out, did not participate. Najee Harris did not participate in practice this week. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick was a full participant. James Pierre did not participate. Elandon Roberts was limited. Montrevious Adams was a full participant. Mason Cole was limited. Isaac Siamalu with the shoulder limited. Keanu Benton limited and Cam Hayward uh, was limited in resting with a groin. What's your thoughts on that uh, that mass unit list I just named? 
It's uh, rough in terms of uh, key players for the Steelers. Obviously, you mentioned the outside linebackers. Um, the NFL right now is currently investigating the Steelers in uh, the manner in which TJ Watt was uh, evaluated following um, what I didn't phrase that correctly. If this was the live broadcast, I'd be, <laughs> if this was like a news broadcast, I'd be totally screwed because I, I put my foot in my mouth. The Steelers are not saying TJ Watt sustained a concussion during the game, just that he showed up with concussion symptoms after the game. He did leave the game after getting kicked in the face on the first snap and put a dark visor on, which I don't know about you guys. One, Watt has never done that. Two, something you'd probably do if lights are, are kind of hurting your eyes. So, um, it, something's not quite right about that. We'll we'll find out more um, as as the rest of the season goes on here. But as far as his availability, we we won't know uh, immediately. But you take T.J. Watt off his team, you're in real trouble. And that's not an insult to Marcus Golden, the player who was signed specifically to help bolster a defense from losing a, a top player like Watt or even Highsmith, who also has a concussion, I believe. Right? He's listed as a concussion yes. on that. Um, he had a shoulder injury, I believe, uh, prior and, and, and was able to play through it. But uh, this is par for the course for the Steelers. They are banged up in many ways. Um, other news and notes associated with injuries. Mont Montrevious Adams uh, is a full participant in practice and is coming back and came back last week. But he will no longer be the starter. That will go to rookie Keanu Benton, uh, who I would say pretty clearly outplayed Adams. And that's no disrespect to Adams. Benton has been uh, one of the bright spots of this defense uh, and the team in general <coughs> so far this season. So the, the Steelers are, as you described it, a mash unit. Not a good time to play a short week game. Uh, again, Saturday afternoon, 4.30 p.m. Eastern kick at Indianapolis. So earlier travel, um, different game time start, and a lot of injuries. Uh, the Steelers are going to have to step up. It, to, to put it mildly, I know that that's a cliche and it's something they absolutely should have been doing the last couple of weeks, but now they're banged up enough that you, you have legitimate concerns for them defensively. Now the defense has been carrying an offense that scores 16 points a game to this point. I can't laugh and say that 16 a game. It's not 1975. I don't understand what the problem is. Lance top to bottom, but my Lord, they are a terrible offensive team. But at least now they might not have T.J. Watts. So uh, a little bit of a problem. This is going to be tough. Steelers yeah, three-and-a-half-point underdogs at Indianapolis, and that feels about right to me. Yeah, and it's going to be tough. And, and the title of this program is I Share Your Frustration. Thank you, Neil, for that. That is a great Tomlinism. And I, that was a great segue into – my frustration for the Steelers this season. As you look at the graphic and the image for this show, it's the picture of a fan covering his head with his Steeler towel, with his terrible towel. Uh, here's my frustration. When I thought about the title, I share their frustration. And I'm obviously thinking about it from a fan perspective and a winning perspective, clearly. Because, you know, being a fan of the Steelers, you know, your concern is winning championships. Here's my frustration. In a year where the AFC, in my opinion, is wide open, I think the AFC is not a very good conference, uh, top to bottom. In a year in which the Kansas City Chiefs and that three-headed monster uh, of Kelsey, uh, Mahomes, 
and Andy Reid are struggling mightily in a year where the Steelers, no matter if it was by happenstance, beat the current number one seed who struggled with the team in their house who the Steelers probably played and dominated and played their best game against, that because this offense is so bad, to Neil's point, they don't have a ch- they don't have a chance to win a Super Bowl in a year where the better teams in the AFC, in my opinion, aren't that great. Where it's wide open. Where if you had better offensive play, better quarterback play, with a defense when healthy is probably good enough. You could actually compete to get beat by the 49ers in the Super Bowl. But that's my frustration is that right now it's kind of wide open in the AFC, in my opinion. And in a year where Kansas City is kind of down, they're not good enough to take advantage of it. They're not good enough to compete for a championship, let alone do anything in the playoffs, in my opinion. That's my frustration because I think it's there for them it's there for any team on the AFC side that's kind of qualified because the AFC just isn't the power that we thought it would be this year. That That's my general frustration. And just watching this offense recycle, rinse, repeat, reload, do the same thing every single year, that's my frustration this year. And it, it's a rightful one to have. I mean – I'd boil it down like this. There, there are so many things. We spent the entire offseason hyping up the direction that they were going in, the, the changes that they've made. These were all positive things. We, we should have been excited about them. This is really the same team. At, at a 10,000-foot level, it's the same team. We can split hairs over little things. But it, like most AFC teams, we were, we're on our second quarterback. We have an offense that's not – put it mildly, achieving what we thought that it would. The defense not quite doing game to game what what it needed what needed to be done. We're not competing at all at the level to suggest making the playoffs even matters. Right now the AFC is you have to put seven teams in. Okay? There are only 3 that really look like they matter week in and week out and unfortunately one of them is the Ravens. And I I'd argue the Ravens just haven't had that total letdown game. They've had bad games. They just managed to pull out wins. They returned punts in in overtime to win games. Steelers can't stay on side or <laughs> run the ball in third and two or fourth and two. Right, 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 Corey. It, it's it's mesmerizing to me to watch the Steelers' inefficiency at this point and the fact that they are so far behind their competition yet. Their success depends entirely upon some sort of voodoo curse that requires the other team to come down to their level and play in the mud. When a team doesn't do that, the Arizona Cardinals, the New England Patriots, Steelers get beat. And in the case of the, of the Cardinals, they get whipped pretty bad. That, to me, and we, we've talked about this, and I don't want to dive into it too deeply, but the Cardinals flat out kick their ass. Steelers were not competitive in that game. Cardinals were clearly the better team. You would not think at all they were the two-loss team and the Steelers were the seven-win team. There's no way you would have thought that. 
that's how bad they've been recently. And their ability to sink to this depth is usually found, usually compounded by the fact that out of nowhere, they rise like a phoenix from the ashes and win four in a row. Maybe that's what we're looking at. And the only reason I'm saying that is because it's happened before. And I've ranted in this exact same spot before about how the season's over. They're done. This is a waste of time. They're a terrible team. Blow it all up. Everything like that. And yet they go out and win the unwinnable game. So I, I don't know. It's impossible to tell the, the trajectory uh, of this team, where it's going, certainly in relation to, to the rest of the AFC. Baltimore seems to have more of that mojo, ironically, considering they're one of the teams that falls for the Steelers shit every time they play now because Steelers beat the Ravens five out of six, I think, something like that. And the Ravens were the better team in six six of those games. So I, I don't know what the Ravens can do. I just feel like somebody has to win in the AFC right now. Somebody is going to have to get hot. Somebody is going to knock off somebody that really just ends up not belonging in the playoffs. And I think you're going to have lower seeds playing for the AFC championship game this year. Yeah, the AFC is a mess, and it's just – I'm just ultimately frustrated again that the Steelers are in the same place and they can't take advantage of it because you know at, at some point in time Kansas City is going to right the ship, be it this year, next year, and then you're going to have to go through that gauntlet of Kansas City again to try to get out of the AFC. And so, uh, you know, that's my frustration. But let's let, let, let's switch reels. Let's switch reels to this game coming up against the Colts. Huge game with huge playoff implications this Saturday. And one thing we wanted to talk about, and I wanted you to break it down, Neil, is RPOs. The use of RPOs, why RPOs are effective. And the reason why I wanted you to jump into the RPO and just explaining why RPOs are so effective is because the Colts and CBS broadcasted this in the Colts-Bengals uh, game last week that the Colts run more RPOs than anyone in the National Football League. So break it down for us, Neil, why it's so critical in this matchup that the Steelers affect the RPO from a defensive perspective. And, and just break it down for us. All right, I'm going to give you a 10,000-foot overview of an RPO. RPO stands for run pass option. That is not something that is done uh, well after the snap. A quarterback looks at the line and when an RPO is called, they can do either thing. And it doesn't mean the quarterback running. It means handing the ball off or throwing. And it's something that is designed to play off what the defense is giving you. So the call in the huddle is RPO. There's a run play that's lined up. And there's a pass pattern that's lined up that they call at the line based on this thing or that thing. Or it can be after the snap as well, depending on what the defensive players are doing. It requires your quarterback to be well-trained in what a defense is going to do, to know the personnel, to know in, in situations what they like to do, what they can expect is going to happen. And from there, trying to utilize uh, the defense's aggression or passivity against it. So really what it is... Mitch Trubisky, oddly enough, and I've talked about this a lot before, he's a good RPO quarterback. You don't run RPOs every single play, though, because it's it, they're not typically like big play types of, of plays. It's not that they're hard to defeat. It's just that it takes specific things 
um, for, for them to work. And a lot of it is, you know, none of it's really in your control. It's what a defense is going to show you. You are going to look as a quarterback, you're going to look at your edge defender and typically the Mike linebacker, the middle linebacker, the one in the middle. When every time you hear 50s of the mic, that's what they're identifying. It doesn't mean that there's a, a an RPO call, but a lot of what the blocking uh, uh, assignment needs to be ba- is dependent upon where their middle leveraged off-ball linebacker is. So in this case, if you're running an RPO, Trubisky is going to get the ball. Typically, it's under center. He's going to get the ball, and he is looking at the edge defender and how the edge defender is attacking the play. Are they dropping back off of the tight end? If they are, it means that that gap is open. You can run to that side. He'll hand the ball off. Um, sometimes it, it's you're looking at the, the Mike linebacker, how he is attacking the gap, or if he's dropping back into coverage. Your tight end can sneak in underneath him or behind him, depending on where he is. Uh, or if he's taking himself out of the gap completely, you hand the ball off and the running back can go in there. A lot of technicalities that go with it. 10,000-foot overview, though. 10,000-foot overview. Uh, the quarterback is making a decision as before the play and as the play is developing where to go with the ball. And they can either throw or they can run. Simple as, as it sounds. But it's based on what a defense is doing. Okay, And yes, of course, you could also run from the pistol, shotgun, whatever. It, for the 10,000-foot overview, we're, we're going to just explain this very simply. Um, I would point out the Steelers utilize RPOs pretty frequently. And when I say pretty frequently, that means three, four times a game. Teams don't tend to run similar stuff often unless they're doing something very different with it. You can't have your entire playbook consist of RPOs. It's confusing. You can mess stuff up. You use it situationally. The Colts use it often, like Lance pointed out. A big part of that is when you have a veteran quarterback who might not be the best physical player you've ever seen, but he's smart, he understands the game, and you've got a good run offensive line and a dynamic running back, and you're all in sync with one another. You're well coached. You're on the same page. You can identify what a defense is and is not doing uh, before and during the play and go with whatever the best option is based on what you're seeing, what a defense is doing. So both of these teams want to be that. Shane Steichen in, in Indianapolis does a great job coaching his offense. You see that with Indianapolis because it's not an incredibly talented unit and they score considerably more than, than Pittsburgh does, which doesn't say a whole lot, but they're functional. It's his first year. It's the first time he's ever been a head coach. They haven't had Jonathan Taylor the entire time. They lost Anthony Richardson in like week three, I think, and he was hurt in weeks one and two anyway. Gardner Minshew, player that I've said would really like to be in Pittsburgh for this exact reason, is doing well because he is a smart veteran quarterback who can make good decisions. That's what Indianapolis does. That's what you can expect to see. It's not a big play type of thing. It, it's a ball control uh, uh, opportunity. Um, typically, if, if your quarterback is reading it correctly, they're short, quick throws for seven, eight-yard chunks. Now, we've seen the Steelers do a, a bit of this, but the, the interesting thing with the Steelers is they hand off almost exclusively when they call RPOs. And you can tell... <coughs> stupid cough. You can tell when a team is doing an RPO, it's going to look like what you think a play fake is. Okay. You have what's called the mesh point, which is a quarterback dropping back and kind of holding the ball for the running back. He's either going to give it to the running back or he's going to pull it and make a throw. 
when you see them doing that, that's typically an RPO. It's not designed like a, a ball fake. You know, the quarterback's hanging on to it for long enough. It's telling the defense, I can do either one of these things. Whichever one you're going to react to right now, though, I'm going to go in the other way. So it's buying like an extra second in order to, to make the right decision. Minshew does that very well. Trubisky does it pretty well. Um, previously, in his time in Chicago, he sucked at everything else. When they ran RPOs, he did pretty well. He was he was a good quarterback because it's a decision that he's making based on what he's seeing immediately and, and ripping off a, a, a throw or handing the ball off, whatever it, it is for him at that time. The thing with Trubisky, he's good in that scheme because he can't read the whole field. He doesn't do a good job going through progressions. He doesn't see sideline to sideline. He doesn't see uh, uh, front to back. He, he doesn't have very good field vision, and he doesn't play the game with a high level of intelligence. But he can see these quick, in, you know, kind of exclusive, uh, tight-framed windows of what he would need to do. And yes, you always teach a defense to attack the mesh because that's where everything is. If you're a linebacker uh, playing this, they're playing off of you, and you know that. You can't sit and wait to react to what they're doing. Stop what? What should I stop? Why'd you put I that don't, over? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I think I hit it. We'll stop this, I, I guess. I think I hit it by accident. You're you're looking to go to the ball, and with that, the quarterback is hanging on to it to, to see what you're going to do. So if you never stop from the beginning, if you just went straight after him, he's going to have to pull it pretty quickly. As a defense, if you know that that's what your plan is, you're attacking a gap, you're going to get through, you're going to get to the quarterback at, at the mesh point, you know he's going to throw. So you can have somebody dropping back to that. That's the downside of it. Now, how much of that the Colts are, are going to do in this game? Uh, to say that they lead the league in it means that they'll probably do it six times a game. That's not a, a ton in a 60-65 play uh, offensive game. But it, it is the type of thing that gets you ahead on first down. It can be advantageous in third and four situations. It's it's a situational play more than anything. And the Colts do fairly well in situational football right now compared to what you thought they were going to be. This team was drafted third overall last season, and they earned it. They, they spent a bunch of money on Jonathan Taylor. Zach Moss has performed just as well to this point. The Colts are the Colts are, are probably playing above who they are. That's a dangerous team this time of the year because what that says is they're well coached. And right now, the Steelers are not a very well coached unit. So uh, this this is a tough matchup overall. And if if you're down a Landon Roberts, who's a smart inside linebacker, has played very well for them, um, hard hitting physical guy that can attack a gap and get to the match point, you you might be in a little bit of trouble. And they've activated Blake Martinez. He's going to be on on. He's going to play significant snaps in this game, I would imagine. He's barely played all year. He's smart, though, and I think that's part of the reason why they want him in there uh, as opposed to poor Michael Walker, who might not play again. Uh, the Steelers are going to do what they can to combat an offense that doesn't have a, a whole lot of physical high-end talent, but they're smart. They make good decisions. They possess the ball. They can run the ball well. That That's a tough team to beat. Uh, on the road come December when you're banged up, you're, you're not going to be at your best either. Yeah. And it, 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 and with the RPO game, you have to be consistent and you have to communicate how you're going to defend it. And I think that's the issue going into this game. Like you said, with potentially your outside linebackers being out 
and playing inexperienced or guys that are new to your defense, uh, you kind of have to be on the same page in terms of how you want to address the RPO. I think the other thing interesting thing in this game is we have some great matchups in this game. And it's uh, maybe part three, part four uh, of the Quentin Nelson versus Cam Hayward matchup. I think the Indianapolis Colts definitely want to run the ball, stay on schedule, put Gardner Minshew into some advantageous positions. I'm excited to watch the Cam Hayward-Quentin Nelson matchup. Famously, uh, we saw Cam Hayward really get after Quentin Nelson a couple of years ago in Pittsburgh, but I think that's a fantastic matchup, and I think that's critical uh, to the Steelers' success in this game. What do you think about that matchup uh, of Nelson versus Hayward? You know, the, what Hayward got in the last time they played, it almost felt cheap in a way. Um, I don't know what happened to Quentin Nelson, but – he fell off quite a bit from where he was and he was a hall of fame level player. And I'm, I'm not suggesting he's bad or anything, but uh, he was not the same player the last two seasons. I think he's playing at a, at a bit better level now. And I think you're going to see from Hayward, he's got his legs back under him. Um, the, the conditioning is coming around. It's going to be an epic battle for the exact reasons that you're discussing. They're going to want to run the football and possession is their entire game. When they get, when the Colts get beat bad, they didn't possess the ball. They turned it over. Uh, that that's usually true of you know kind of lesser offensive teams like Indianapolis and really bad offensive teams like the Steelers. If you lose the turnover battle, you're not going to win. They're not good enough to to overcome that kind of thing. So it, trying to to force the three and outs, trying to force third and longs is going to be up to the run defense. And I think that a big part of that is hopefully a, a larger share of snaps from Keanu Benton, the ability to play more of a, a base defense. Uh, the Steelers' defense matches up well with the Colts in that regard. Um, Benton is going to be key to that. Hayward obviously is key to that. They will both square off against Nelson, who's still one of the game's best. You're, you're going to win and lose this game, in my opinion, Colts' offensive line versus the Steelers' defensive front. However, the Steelers want to do that, especially if they are limited or down Highsmith and or Watt that puts a lot of pressure on the interior to win those battles and to control the a gap and to push the line of scrimmage. If they're not able to do that, Colts are going to run all over them and it's going to be the ugliest looking 23 to 14 loss you've ever seen because the Colts are going to have the ball for 38 minutes and the Steelers won't be able to do much uh, until the end of the game when they're really kind of letting up. Another key critical matchup I think is going to be Grover Stewart and Buckner against the Steelers' interior. Because I think when you look at the Steeler offense, I, I think we saw that, although I think Mitch will be better in this game, given another week to practice, <laughs> it's how much better. And an aggressive Mitch, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, like Mitch is going to put the ball Didn't in Didn't he say he was going to be aggressive last week? I don't want him yeah. doing that ever again. <laughs> yes. Whatever so, he did last week, don't do any of it. Change your damn breakfast cereal. Don't don't do any of that again. I mean, clearly this offense, its best asset is running the football. You know, they're going to need to be able to run the football. And, and, and by the way, let me give you a station identification. Thank you, Rob, for, for, for chiming in right now um, in terms of the like. Please like and subscribe to the program, The New Standard. I share their frustration. You're checking it out. Uh, with Lance Williams and Neil Kulong. Again, Neil, 
this Grover Stewart Buckner matchup against the Steelers interior, I, I think is critical. I, I think the guards are going to have to play in center to Cole. They're going to have to play at a high level uh, to be able to run the football effectively to keep the Steelers on schedule. Because I think if the Steelers can't run the ball effectively in this game, they get smoked. They get smoked and they get ran up out of Indianapolis. What's your thoughts on Grover Stewart and Buckner and, and that combination of those guys a, against the Steelers' uh, interior offensive line? You're building um, a, a, an NFL football team. One thing you're going to want to do is get two interior defensive linemen because what it's going to do is force a team uh, to run gap and duo against you in the ground game when you don't have to worry about other things and you can just focus on that um, and and really just tell your linebackers you're going to make a lot of tackles because they're going to take four guys to move these two in this scheme and he's going to cut to one of these places find out where he's going and get to the ball you're going to see a lot of that duo is is basically combo uh, double teaming interior guys trying to move them to open up a crease somewhere the Steelers don't run a bunch of that but i i think you're probably going to see more of it because of the strength of uh the the, the interior tackles with the colts and deforest buckner is one of the best in the game um been a great player his entire career they're they'll struggle you know it, it's it, that's a that's a tough assignment um if they can figure out a way to neutralize those guys get them moving horizontally uh get the play moving away from them they can have some success but so much of that depends on your ability to run the ball in basic situations and to be able to complete passes because you've got to keep the safeties back. It, it, a large part of the Steelers offense collapsing all the time is because they don't, they, they don't throw consistently well. And because of that, the safeties are, and the, the RPO action, the safeties are on top of the linebackers and everyone's filling up in front of them. It clogs everything up and the Steelers can't go over the top to, to do anything about it. So it, it, fundamentally speaking, the Steelers scheme is such that, they're going to struggle against anybody, but it's not a great matchup in that regard. I like their matchup defensively a bit more than I like it offensively, but I'm not going to like the Steelers' offense against anybody. So we'll we'll see if they can figure out something that actually works and, and be able to do that consistently. But I wouldn't expect the Steelers to, to be able to, you know, I don't think 20 points is unrealistic, and it might even be too high to suggest. But this is a game they can score a little bit, but – it's not going to be a ton. They're, they're not going to blow this team out. Great points there, Neil. And I think that's a great segue and a transition to our predictions. Give me your prediction for this game. Who wins? You know, going back and forth on this, um, logically, I see a, a, a Colts team with some talent, with some matchup advantages, playing at home uh, on a short week. I would like the Colts, but I, I just, you know, I'm going to hang on to this. Mike Tomlin's not letting a team get beat like that three times in a row. He's just not. And the Steelers have mollywomped the Colts in Indianapolis several times. The last time they lost in Indianapolis, 2008. And that was a dumb game. I don't know if you remember that. I hated that game. Peyton was playing with them back then. And the Steelers went on to win a Super Bowl. They crushed the Colts every time they play the Colts. They, they have massive offensive outputtings. I really feel like this is the game where they can get something going, and I shouldn't feel that way, I know, but I'm going to take the Steelers in, in this one, 24-20. I'm going to take the Colts. Uh, I, I think the Steelers right now with 
their injury situation and big up to crow 74 new listener big up to you crow please like and subscribe to the program i'm gonna go with the colts i I think right now in a short week where the steelers are at from an injury perspective you know hearing some of the stuff that minka fitzpatrick talked about uh about the team the george Pickens stuff uh, again the injury stuff on the road mitch trubisky I you did pick the Patriots. Uh but I'm gonna pick the Colts. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the Colts to win this game. I'm, I'm right there. I, 24 24 16 Colts. Steelers uh have, have a drive late to possibly tie it up to get back in it. Mitch Trubisky picked, throws a yeah. turnover. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna talk about that after the show. And, I get a feeling and, we're gonna talk about that last five seconds after the show. Oh, well, Ali said, uh, Lance, pick the Colts. We have a chance. Uh, I'm picking the Colts. I just think the the Steelers are in a bad way, and and, and the Tomlin pixie dust can't make it right this year. You know, I I know how stupid this is, but I just – I can't get over the fact that it's like they're the opposite this week. They're not playing a shitty team. They're not playing another game at home. I, I feel like that's going to sharpen up. I really do. It, it, it doesn't make sense. I believe me, nobody knows how bad they are better than I do. Okay. I get it. But th- this is a get right game. This is the type of game Tomlin pulls out of his ass out of nowhere that they shouldn't win. Nobody thinks they're going to. And it's not even like it's a great team. I know that it's not. And they're throwing three and a half point underdogs on the road. Isn't that big of a deal? Um, certainly not coming off of the last two games you played. I just, I, I feel like they're going to get something together this week. They're going to have to, they know how bad the last two games were. I, I They're going to get something right this week. And we will see. And again, listeners want to remind you that the game is on Saturday. And of course we'll be with you after the game to give you a post game as well. Please like, and subscribe to the program. The name of this week's show was I shared their frustration and you should, and I do. And with that, we're going to conclude the show. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Happy holidays and go Steelers.